You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 72. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. It is Halloween today as I record this episode, October 31st. And let me tell you, I have been fighting the sugar urges ever since Rob brought home the Halloween candy last week to hand out to the kids that come to the door today. Now, Rob and I never have junk food or chocolate like this in the house. It's just not something we have ever done. And we have both been literally hyper-focused on this candy and not eating it. And it really got me thinking about dopamine. And of course, dopamine is such a trendy topic these days. You really can't listen to a podcast or read a blog or watch a YouTube video without hearing somebody talking about dopamine. It's just a very trendy topic. But it's also an important topic to talk about if you happen to struggle with food or overeating or over drinking or overspending or overworking or over exercising or over social mediaing or over Netflixing or over any of the things that we do that we think we're doing because it makes it feel makes us feel good and this topic just comes up so often when we talk about our relationship with food and weight loss that inside our Nourish Yourself program, we're actually doing a book study on a book called Dopamine Nation in a couple of days, in fact. Now, this book, Dopamine Nation, Finding a Balance in the Age of Indulgence, is written by Dr. Anna Lemke. And Dr. Lemke is a psychiatrist who primarily treats addictions. And in this book, she really talks about the importance of taking a dopamine fast and gives a suggestion for how you can actually go about having a dopamine fast so that you can actually see what the effect of seeking dopamine has in your life. And I want to talk a little bit about the book today. I'm not going to dive deep into it. So if you are interested in reading the book, I do suggest you go find it. It's absolutely fascinating. It's a good read. But what I wanted to share with you was her process for this dopamine fast, because I think it's actually quite helpful, especially as we're heading into this season of indulgence where there's money to be spent, there's Christmas decorations to put up, there's music to listen to, there's baking to do and baking to eat and gifts to buy and all of the things that really is of all the year, probably the most indulgent time of the year that we're heading into right now. So just kind of the right time to to talk about all of this stuff. And Dr. Lemke has this amazing quote towards the beginning of the book. She says, the reason we're all so miserable may be because we're working so hard to avoid being miserable. And this, my friends, is really the problem with dopamine. So when dopamine was initially discovered, 
it was assumed that it was the primary neurotransmitter responsible for pleasure. It was called the pleasure hormone. And as we learned more about it, we've come to understand that it is really more the motivation hormone. Dopamine is what drives us to go out and do the things that are going to make us feel good. And when you look at dopamine from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense that our brains would develop a system like this, right? Because we had to reward ourselves for doing the things that kept us alive. And so our brains are really wired to receive dopamine hits from things that encourage us to stay safe, to reproduce and propagate the species, and to feel good, right? And so traditionally, we get dopamine hits from community and relationships with other people, from sex, from food, from accomplishing things, from exercise, right? All of the things that we as a species needed to keep ourselves alive. The problem now in this age of indulgence, as Dr. Lemke calls it, is that we have concentrated everything. And so you get a bigger dopamine hit from eating junk food than you do natural food. You get bigger dopamine hits from watching pornography or serial dating than you do a long-term, steady, happy relationship. You get a bigger dopamine hit from working out like a crazy person versus just doing what you need to make your body feel good. You get a bigger dopamine hit from overworking and constantly accomplishing and striving for the next big thing than you do just going to work and doing your job like everybody else does, right? And so this is what the problem is. Now, many of us are seekers. We're strivers, right? We want the bigger, the better, the best. We want to be number one. We want to accomplish all of the things. And our society looks at that sort of behavior as a good thing. But when you look at it from the perspective of dopamine, we see that maybe it actually isn't. We're going to talk about why that is in, in just a second. When it comes to things like social media, pornography, drugs, alcohol, overeating, it's a little bit easier to see the downside of this because if we overeat, we get fat. If we overdrink, we have problems with our relationships and our work and other things in life. If we over social media, we start to feel the effects of not feeling like we're living up to other people, right? If we're playing video games all of the time, we no longer find the excitement in everyday life. And this is exactly what the problem is with dopamine. The problem is that when we experience pleasure from all of these things that we love, dopamine is released in that reward pathway in our brains. And so the more dopamine, the more reward you feel. But the problem with this is that what goes up must eventually comes down. So your brain likes to maintain balance, right? So when you get that dopamine hit, the dopamine comes down, you feel very anxious, you feel driven to go get more. And this is the very reason why you can't eat just one potato chip or why you feel like you have to watch just one more episode on Netflix. It's because you get that dopamine hit when you watch the first episode or eat the first chip, that dopamine plummets and that sinking of the dopamine level is what gives you the drive to go looking for more. That's why you eat the next chip or you press play on the very next episode. And really that craving, what that craving is, is dopamine telling your brain, 
go get it, go get it, go get it. And this all happens on a very subconscious level. And this is why you could be staring at that bag of chips and telling yourself, I don't want any more, but grabbing for another handful anyway, because this is all happening on a subconscious level. And it really makes you do things against your own will because it's it's primitive pathways that were once designed to keep us alive. And the other problem with this is that the more you are exposed to that thing that gives you dopamine, whether that be food or social media or video games or shopping or overworking, whatever it is, the more you indulge in that thing or that behavior, the smaller the dopamine hit gets over time. And that means you have to do more, 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 more to get the same level of dopamine, right? And if you are an overeater, this is a really big problem because it means that one potato chip is never enough. One donut is never enough. A bag of cookies is never enough. You have to go on to the next thing to get that big dopamine hit. And the other thing that happens when you're constantly looking for these big dopamine hits from these concentrated pleasures like junk food or video games or social media is that you no longer get the dopamine hits from the ordinary everyday pleasures of your day-to-day life. So you don't get the same dopamine hit from hugs from your loved ones. You don't get the same pleasure playing with your pet. You don't get the same pleasure going outside and feeling the sunshine on your face. You don't get the same pleasure of a daydream, right? You need to get your, your pleasure from these other things that may not necessarily be good for you. And the good news about all of this, though, is that just like your brain can adapt to the need for more, 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 your brain can also adapt to the absence of those things. So I don't actually like referring to a need for sugar as a sugar addiction, just because I think that language makes us feel like we have no control, that it's a disease or an illness. And it's actually not true. We can use our brains in a different way to say no to the sugar and not get that big dopamine hit. And Dr. Lemke in the book Dopamine Nation outlines a process by which we can actually accomplish that. And she suggests that we do this by a process that she actually calls dopamine, where each letter in that word stands for a step. And the whole purpose behind doing this process is to give your brain a rest from all of that dopamine. And what that's ultimately going to accomplish is that you will once again be able to get dopamine hits and find pleasure from the simple everyday things in life and will no longer need the junk food or the alcohol or the spending or the social media or the serial dating or whatever your <laughs> your particular vice is. You just won't need those things anymore to feel good in your life. And One of the tricks that you can use to really help yourself identify where you're having a a dopamine problem is to notice how it feels to say no to that thing. So if I were to tell you that you could never drink again, does that make you feel anxious or fidgety? If I tell you that you can't eat chocolate anymore, how does that make you feel? If I told you that Facebook and Instagram were going to disappear off the face of the planet tomorrow and you could no longer scroll, how would you feel? 
if I took all your credit cards away so you couldn't shop, how would that feel? If you really feel anxious, agitated, perhaps even a little afraid, then that's a good sign that you are falling prey to a dopamine problem. And so I would suggest that you start this process thinking about what your overindulgence is. For me, it's a lot of overworking. It's a little bit of food and it's a little bit of social media scrolling. And so if we look at Dr. Lemke's process in dopamine, the first letter D stands for data. And this is where you really just want to stop and take a look at what is it that you are actually over-consuming and over-indulging in. I, like I said, for me, it is definitely overworking and a little bit of overeating and a little bit of over-social media-ing. And so I encourage you to take take a moment and think, what do you overindulge in? Where are you getting your dopamine hits in a way that isn't necessarily serving you well? And is there one that might make a good positive impact on your life if you were to remove it from your life for a little while? So spend a couple minutes just thinking about that D, the data. Where are you getting your dopamine from? And then the second letter in dopamine is O, which stands for objectives. And here you really want to ask yourself, what do you get from overconsuming that thing? Is it a sense of relief? Is it a sense of numbing? Is it entertainment and happiness and joy? Right? I know for me with overworking, it's a distraction, right? I don't have to think about the things that are bothering me. So I get a sense of relief and also a sense of pleasure when I drown myself in work. And for me, when it comes to overeating, it is often quelling anxiety for me or numbing down overwhelm. That's really the purpose that overeating is for me. The social media thing is more boredom. It's what I tend to do when I'm feeling bored. I get my dopamine hit from from scrolling through social media and it just provides a sense of entertainment for me and probably also a little bit of sense of connection with others, even though I know um, in my frontal cortex that that connection is false when it's over social media. But you really want to spend a couple of minutes thinking, like, what does that dopamine hit actually give you? What is the outcome of indulging in your particular vice? And then you want to look at the opposite. So the P in dopamine stands for problems. What are the consequences of overindulging in that habit? And, you know, sometimes this can be a little bit easier to see. Sometimes you got to dig a little bit deeper. When it comes to overeating, I mean, it's obvious, right? (laughs) If you overeat, you probably gain weight. Maybe you feel bloated a lot of the time. Maybe your blood pressure or your cholesterol goes up. Maybe you lose a sense of taste for the, the the foods that you used to love, the healthier foods that you love, right? There's all sorts of negative consequences to overeating. When it comes to overworking, might not be so easy to see. But I can tell you for me, the consequences of overworking are that I have much less time to spend with Rob and my family, and that affects my relationships. I have a lot less time to spend on my own doing the rejuvenating kind of bucket filling activities that I love, which just leaves me feeling a little bit depleted and tired and probably contributes to the overwhelm and anxiety I tend to, to feel a lot of these days. It also just 
means that I don't have the space to explore some of the other things that might bring me joy. So lots of negative there. And when I look at the problems of scrolling with social media, the biggest one for me is the time suck, right? It's like I could have the intention of going on there for 30 seconds and then three hours will pass and I will have just wasted so much time. For many people, you get stuck in this feeling of having to keep up with the the Joneses or you get a bad case of um, compare-itis when you're on social media. That isn't so much of a problem for me. I I understand that people are just um, showing their their best selves, living their best lives, hashtag, um, on social media. And so, you know, I don't get caught up um, in that, but many, many people do. For me, it's really just um, more of the time suck that I suffer because of it. So, once you've identified what you're over consuming and you've looked at what it gets you and also the consequences of it, you then want to look at the A. And the A stands for abstinence, which is sort of the big step in this process. And, you know, if you want to maintain homeostasis of your reward pathways, if you want to level out your dopamine system, it really requires you to abstain from these things that give you the huge dopamine hits. So I'm not talking about, you know, the little normal healthy dopamine hits that you get from day-to-day living. I'm talking about those huge dopamine hits that you get when you're overindulging in that thing, whatever it is for you, right? The overeating, the overdrinking the social media, the sex, what, whatever it is for you. And studies show that it can take anywhere from two weeks to four weeks or even a little bit longer for your brain to adjust to the absence of those big dopamine hits. And so you really do need to commit for a significant amount of time to avoiding that particular thing. And, you know, when we talk about healing your relationship with food, we're often talking more about moderation, right? Is being a little bit more deliberate about when you choose your foods, being a little bit more mindful when you're choosing your foods. And when we're strictly just looking at our relationship with food, particularly how we use food to quell um, negative emotions or to boost those positive emotions, when we're specifically looking at that, then moderation might make sense for a lot of people. But when we're wanting to really heal the reward system in the brain and deal with the dopamine imbalance in the brain because of the overindulgences, then abstinence is actually key. And this is why when people, you know, in in Alcoholics Anonymous, for instance, abstinence is part of it. It's because of what happens in your brain when you do take a drink. You need to give yourself a good period of time without it. Now, the way I teach all of this inside my programs is we give ourselves a break and then we come up with a strategy to introduce the things back into our lives in a way that feels more balanced and healthy. So rather than overworking all of the time, you put some boundaries around your work and what you want to accomplish, right? Instead of constantly overeating to get your dopamine hits, you learn how and you decide how you want to introduce all of these pleasurable foods into your life in a way that 
that isn't dominating your dopamine system. The overall goal of abstaining is to really get your brain back to the point where it is getting a nice, constant, steady level of dopamine from the everyday stuff that you enjoy, but that also doesn't carry all of the negative consequences along with it. That's what the ultimate goal is here. So if you look at, you know, if you happen to be an overeater, for example, and you look at people who don't use food for their dopamine hits, they can still have the chips and the cakes and all of the super delightful, tasty, yummy treat foods without it being a problem, right? If you're an overeater, it's a problem because of the dopamine, right? And so if we give our brain a little bit of a chance to heal from this, then we have the opportunity to bring them back in later in a way that isn't going to have that same dopamine response. It just takes a little bit of um, intentionality behind it. And we'll get to that step in just a little bit. So after the abstinence, the next letter in dopamine is M and that stands for mindfulness. And I personally believe that this is probably one of the most important steps in the process. I mean, I call it mindful weight loss podcast for a reason. And you know, the, the reason why this is important is because you really want to be able to observe what is going on in your brain while you are abstaining from your overindulgences without any judgment. Because I have done this, I have gone through this process several times before, and it doesn't feel good. It really doesn't feel good. And it's easy to get caught up in a little bit of self-judgment, like, why do I work so hard? Why am I constantly eating? Why, why, why? What's wrong with me? I'm terrible, right? All of this stuff. And we really want to avoid that during this process. And we want our brains to understand that everything that's happening with this is happening because this is what brains do. It is not a reflection on who you are or your character or your worth as a human being. It is merely just brains doing what brains are. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the reasons why many of us get stuck in this search for more and more dopamine is because we really want to distract ourselves from the thoughts and the feelings that cause us pain, right? Like that quote from the beginning of, you know, we're, we're spending so much time trying not to be miserable that we're actually miserable. That's what this is all about, right? And so when we find that we're no longer using dopamine to escape all of those uncomfortable things, guess what? All of those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings rise to the surface and we're sort of stuck with them. And the way through that is mindfulness. The way through that is being able to observe what's happening, allowing yourself some compassion and kindness and allowing yourself to hold space for all of the stuff that comes up with this without judging yourself. And so having a meditation practice or allowing yourself a little bit of time every day to just be with what's going on in your brain is an important part of this dopamine fast. And so if you don't have a meditation or some other sort of mindfulness practice embedded in your life, I encourage you to do so 
if you intend to have a dopamine fast, because it's going to make the process one so much more easier for you, but two, you'll actually really learn way more about yourself and the role that dopamine plays in your life if you're able to observe the whole process from a place of compassion. All right. And then the I in dopamine and the next step stands for insight. And, you know, this, this is when you finish your two to four weeks of abstaining from your overindulgence and you're really able to just take a step back and notice, right? And I have more on more than one occasion because I, you know, this is an ongoing struggle with me, um, have taken a fast from sugar. And I can tell you that every time I do it, I feel like crap for four or five days, sometimes even a few days longer than that. Headachey, don't feel good. Cravings are horrible. And then the veil sort of lifts and I feel amazing. My thinking is clearer. My body feels better. I have more energy. I find that other foods that I'm eating just happens to taste better. And I'm generally happier, right? I feel good after that initial point in time. And I always find it interesting to observe that little um, phenomenon that happens with me because when I decide to go on a sugar fast, it usually takes me a month to actually commit to it because I'm so focused on how awful it's going to feel for the first few days. And I'm not thinking about how amazing it feels afterwards. And I don't know, it was months and months and months ago that Rob and I last did this and sugar just doesn't have the same sort of appeal to me until this um, Halloween candy came into, came into the house. Now, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, we haven't really indulged in it. So I haven't been giving myself the dopamine hit, but it's been really interesting to get that insight into what happens in my brain when I am faced with this big sugar challenge in the form of, of Halloween candy. And so that insight step is really quite important because it's going to give you more data, more information about what your life was like before when you were overindulging, what it was like when you were abstaining from that overindulgence, and then what it's like now when you no longer need that substance or that activity for your dopamine hit, and can also allow you to project what might life be down the road if I continue versus if I introduce it back into my life. And that leads us to the N in dopamine, which stands for next steps. So now that you've abstained, you've got to decide what's next. So if you've chosen to abstain from sugar, you know, for example, then the decision has to be, do I want to bring sugar back or not? And if I do want to bring sugar back, how do I want to bring it back? Do I want to set some parameters around how sugar comes back? Do I just want to go back to the way things were before? Do I just want to play it by ear and see how it goes? Right. And if you're an overworker and you chose to, you know, come home from work at five o'clock in the evening and shut down your computer for your, your, your week or month or whatever time period of not indulging and overworking, then how are you going to bring work back in in a different way? Are you going to continue having some boundaries and parameters around your work hours? Or are you going to allow yourself to go back to your crazy hours, right? This is all the choice that you get to make. And it's part of that end step. Now, of course, the last step is experiment. The E in dopamine is experiment. And this is when 
you get to play around with how you're going to reintroduce things back. So back to the sugar example, if you decide that you're going to bring sugar back in moderation, but you're just going to do it, oh, I don't know, um, plan to have a sugary treat once or twice a, a week is what you're going to do, right? So you might try that for a couple of weeks and just notice what happens to your brain, your mood, your thoughts, your feelings, all of the things when you do that. And if you're feeling like things are starting to get a little out of control every time you have sugar, then that might be a signal to you to not have it in your diet anymore, or maybe fast for another week or two and see what happens, right? Or you may just decide to bring sugar back and eat it whenever you feel the urge to. And you might feel great, or you might feel terrible when you do that, right? It's your choice. And your process here. So you get to decide what you want to experiment with. The important thing is that you just take a little bit of time to evaluate so that you know what you want to do next for yourself. And so that's the dopamine process. And I think, you know, uh, the biggest obstacle that comes up when you do this process, and it's something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and that is the idea of delaying your long-term goals in favor of immediate gratification. And that's really what the crux of the dopamine problem is, right? Is that we eat that second um, bowl of potato chips or we watch that 13th episode of Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) whatever it is, because we want to feel good. We want that dopamine hit right now. And we're not thinking about our long-term goals in terms of what we want for our lives, our bodies, our health. And It really means committing to your long-term goals when you take one of these dopamine fasts because the problem is going to be that you are going to lose your primary way of getting that immediate gratification. And when you're used to giving yourself what you want right now when you want it, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for you. So you really have to decide ahead of time before you head into this process that you are doing this for the betterment of yourself in the long run, for the future self that you want to be, and not for the immediate gratification right now. And the last thing I just want to touch on that Dr. Lemke talks about in the book is just this concept of radical honesty. And I really like this because I think it's It's just easy to turn a blind eye on yourself when you are engaging in overindulgent behaviors, right? It's They've studied this in terms of food in particular. And when you ask people to write down at the end of the day what they ate all day long, they almost always underestimate. You're much more likely to skip the foods that you've deemed as bad or unhealthy than you are um, the healthier foods. And you're definitely more likely to underestimate the portion sizes. And I think addressing this is super important because I bet, you know, I haven't read the studies, but I would, I would hazard a guess just, you know, anecdotally, if you were to ask people to estimate how much time they watch TV or play video games or spend on social media or, engage in work type activities over the course of a week, I'm guessing that we would underestimate all of that as well. And part of radical honesty really means taking a step back and allowing yourself to really see just how often you are engaging in these overindulgent behaviors, how much you're over consuming, whether that be food or work or porn or shopping or or whatever it is for you. And 
you know, really being honest with yourself about where you're at. Now, when she um, talks about it in the book, Dr. Lemke is is talking more about radical honesty with other people. But I think it's more important that you're actually honest with yourself about not just what and how much you're overconsuming, but what the actual effects and consequences are of those um, in your life. And she talks about you know, that awareness being the first important part of radical honesty. But then she also talks about what the benefits of radical honesty are. And one of them is is human connections. And, you know, the, the problem with constantly seeking dopamine from these artificial concentrated sources is that we, to some extent, lose the ability to connect with other people. Our brains are so focused on getting that dopamine hit that there just isn't the space there to allow that connection. And as I mentioned earlier on this episode, that the more we are seeking dopamine from these artificial concentrated sources, the less we're able to get it from the everyday you know, day-to-day pleasures of our life, which would include relationships with, you know, the people that we have constant steady relationships with, like your children or or your spouse. And so one of the benefits of going through a dopamine fast is actually improving human connection. And I think that radical honesty is an important piece of this because when you're not being honest with yourself about how you're consuming and over-consuming, then you're probably not going to show up as your best self to your relationships either. So it has an effect there. And, you know, the final thing that she mentions in terms of radical honesty is also something that we're always talking about in our work in mindful weight loss. And that's really holding ourselves accountable to our future selves. And again, this comes back to immediate gratification. And it also touches a little bit on, you know, the concept of victimhood, right, is oftentimes when we are engaging in behaviors that make us feel bad, our instinct is to find someone else to blame, right? The boss is a jerk. The kids are driving me crazy. My spouse doesn't understand. It's the economy. It's my work schedule. It's my thyroid. It's whatever, right? We're always coming up with other things outside of ourselves to blame for the results that we have in our lives. And radical honesty really means taking a step back and being accountable and responsible to ourselves and taking ownership of the decisions that we make and being honest about the things that we're overindulging in, right? And so if we want something better for ourselves in the future, whether that be better health, a healthier weight, a better job, more fulfilling relationships, more sense of peace and ease and happiness and joy, then we really have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at right now and what we need to do to get there. And radical honesty is just a huge part of that. So I think if you look at that dopamine process and emphasize the mindfulness piece of it, the M step, and also keep this concept of radical honesty in mind, then I think going through a dopamine fast would be something very beneficial for you. So as we do this with our book study in the nourishment, um, in the Nourish Yourself program this month, everybody is going to do a fast 
for the month of November. And everyone gets to choose what their fast is, as long as it's something that they are overindulging in, that they see having a negative consequence in their life. So I invite you to join us. Um, pick something that you would like to fast for the next two to four weeks. And please let me know how it goes. I would love to hear about your journey with this. So feel free to email me anytime at michelle at waysahealth.com. And if you'd like to join us and do this with the group, just head on over to www.waysahealth.com forward slash nourish dash yourself and you can join us anytime. All right, that's it for this week and I will talk to you next week. Bye.